Hello, I'm Dwayne McCreary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Pleasure to be here. We're looking at session 13 today, which is the, the last session of our study of First and Second Timothy and Titus. We're finishing up our study of Titus, and we're looking at chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Uh, in these passages, in this passage, Paul directs Titus to remind the Cretan believers to be ready to do good works, placing others above themselves. He outlines the contrast between the believer before and after conversion. He emphasized that salvation is not based on works, but on God's mercy received through faith in Jesus. Paul explains that good works, not debates and arguments, should characterize the believer's behavior. The person who focuses on doing good works for God's honor will not have time to get involved in wasting, wasteful debates and arguments. Uh, he's, Paul is focusing on the nature of good works and why we should do them and, and our motive behind them. He begins this whole section, this chapter, by talking about submitting to rulers and authorities. Uh, Mike, these were folks who had pagans all around them. Uh, how do we do that if a leader... Uh, of our of, of of our area, whatever a ruler and authority, if our leader is not a believer, well, this whole idea of submitting to rulers and authorities is not an uncommon theme in the New Testament. There there are other New Testament scriptures um, other than Titus three one that speak to the same thing. Let me just mention a couple of those that shed some light on on this in Romans thirteen one. Paul said, let everyone submit to governing authorities since there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. But then 1 Peter um, is a significant passage for understanding uh, our, our responsibility as believers, and remember that 1 Peter was written during the persecution of Christians under Nero's reign. And one of the subjects Peter addressed was, how, how do you submit to authorities when not only when they're unbelievers, but when they're systematically persecuting you. And so Peter says, uh, in that context, 1 Peter 2, 13 and following, he says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or to governors, for this is the will of God. I, I think Peter most succinctly answers this, this question of what if the government uh, mandates, for example, what if the govern, government mandates that we do something that violates the Christian conscience or violates God's word? And I think the answer there in First Peter is is in uh, chapter two, verse seventeen: Fear God, honor the emperor. We're, we're taught in, in Scripture we we are to honor the governing authorities. We honor them by respecting and subjecting ourselves to them. But at the same time. We should never fear the governing authorities more than we fear God. We, we almost act like sometimes that God's surprised who is in charge of something. And Yeah, we do, and of course he's not. <laughs> uh, so fear God, honor the emperor, but fear God. We, we fear God because he's our ultimate authority, and this means if, if we are ever forced to make a choice between obeying men and obeying God, we of course obey God. That's biblical. In the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide, there's this statement. Good works are the results of salvation, not the cause of salvation. 
Can you elaborate on that statement just a little bit for me? I, I can. And, and we also say in, in relation to that, I think the statement even right before that is important as well. We, we say that salvation is not a matter of what we do. It's a matter of what Jesus has done. But uh, having said that, what Jesus has done for us changes us. Uh, what Jesus has done for us in salvation transforms us. We are new creatures in Christ. We were dead in sin. He has made us alive. So what we're saying in that statement you, you referenced, I think can be explained maybe with Jesus' statement in, in Matthew seven seventeen that when he said, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces good fruit. Or you could you could turn to James two. You know, with James two addresses this same thing. He talks about faith and works, and and uh, the, the the point that he was make James was making there is while our good works can never earn our salvation, saving faith results in a changed life. We may want to try to encourage our groups to illustrate this in some form or fashion. Some illustrations I think of is is work. We work with intensity, pride. We do what we're asked to do, not out of fear of losing our job, but because we have that job. It's the right thing to do. Or in our marriages, we do the things we do. We express love to our spouse, not because we're afraid of them, but because we love them. And that's, that's the right thing to do in that context. It's, yes. it's just what, what's, what's expected uh, and what we do as a result of a commitment already made. The idea here in chap chapter 3, verse 9, about useless debates, this is something that's come up several times in our study of both First and Second Timothy and now Titus again, of us not being involved in those. How, how do we know when a debate is useless? Well, and that's, that's a good question, and I think Paul gives some clues. And when you look at uh, the context where he where he uses that terminology and he talks about that. I think the context in those situations gives us uh, some clues as to what a useless debate is. Let me let me mention two things and, and look at two different um, places where he uses this. First of all, a a debate is useless when it creates division in the church. The, the context of his uh, Paul's talk about foolish debates here in Titus 3, you look at the context, it's, it's one of uh, dealing with divisive people, this divisiveness. He says in Titus 3.9, foolish debates, talks about foolish debates that are unprofitable and worthless, but then in the ne very next verse, Paul says, reject a divisive person. There are times in the church and as believers, there are times for us to debate. Certainly when the gospel, when sound teaching is at stake, we, in those situations, we can't shy away from controversy and even debate. Like, for example, when Paul took on the Judaizers in Galatia for preaching a gospel of legalism. That was a time to, to confront. Yet the gospel unites believers. The gospel does not divide believers. The gospel unites believers. Now, there, there are those who... There are those people in the church who are just, for whatever reason, they're just divisive. They seem to enjoy stirring up conflict for conflict's sake. 
Yeah, somebody's face just went through everybody's mind as soon as you said that. Yes, uh, <laughs> that that person. We're talking about that person. And Paul said, I mean, he used strong language here in Titus 3.10. He says, reject that person. In other words, you don't allow that person, don't allow divisive people to have undue influence in the church. Reject that. Okay, so when when this debate, when the debate creates division in the church among the believers is, is one thing, or when it creates diversion in the church. Division on the, on the, is the first one, diversion is the second. When, when it creates diversion in the church or, or hinders the church from doing gospel work. And I'll point to one other place where Paul uses, he talks about, um, about this problem is in 1 Timothy 1.4. We saw several weeks ago where he says these these false doctrines being taught promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. So God's plan, which operates by faith, is a reference to the work of the gospel. So when, when church people spend their time debating or obsessing over secondary and irrelevant matters, they don't have time for what really matters. Their faith suffers, and the witness and the work of the church suffers. So when the debate creates division, when the debate creates diversion, I, I think uh, it, it needs to be rejected. We, it, it's useless. Now, there is an article in, in this quarter's lead, Explore the Bible Leader Guide in the back of the uh, leader guide, there's a biblical illustrator article called Genealogies, Myths, and Old Wives' Tales, uh, and it speaks to this problem. Okay. And that article, I'm sure, will be helpful uh, as we prepare to lead our Bible study groups. Uh, this concludes our study of First and Second Timothy and Titus over the summer. Uh, next week, we will begin a new quarter. We'll be looking at, during the fall quarter, be looking at the book of Ephesians. One thing that I need to sh share with you is if you have comments about Explore the Bible, about the adult resources, you are more than welcome to send us your comments. You can send us a letter. Uh, you can find that information on the front uh, with all the legalese uh, in the resources. You can find all that, that listed there. Or you can send an email. You can send an email directly to me, Dwayne McCrary. Uh, you can do that. Uh, through this email, d-w-a-y-n-e dot m-c-c-r-a-r-y at lifeway.com, and I'll do my best uh, to give you an honest answer. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week when we start our study of the book of Ephesians.